What's up guys, Mike Lewis here, and welcome to the Mike Lewis Podcast. If you guys want to keep up with me on social media, you can follow me on Instagram at Mike Lewis Official, and you can follow me on Twitter at MikeLew52, it's where most of my updates come. If you're enjoying my content, give me a like and a subscribe, and without further ado, let's just dive right into this episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode. And I don't know, I think you've seen my guest somewhere before. <laughs> Wes, how are we doing? I'm doing really good. I would just like to start by saying I'm honored to be on the Mike Lewis podcast. I have, I've been, I've, I've seen some clips. I've been hearing some murmurs. The word on the street is you're the most important up and coming journalist in our industry. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Our forces just seem to collide then. Huh? <laughs> well, I'm we're I'm I'm glad and honored to be here. So, I mean, you you get you get some interesting guests, you ask some hard questions, and I'm prepared I'm prepared to go, you know, go through that experience with you right now. Well, here's your first hard question. Since, you know, your Chiefs were in the last two Super Bowls, how oh. now uh <laughs> Now to uh, be devastated. the first time I'm in three devastated. years to not uh, have someone to root for next weekend. I know I'm, I'm at a loss for what to do. I haven't even been invited to a Super Bowl party. Everyone's been like, "What do we do?" Like we don't know. <laughs> we've, we've forgotten what it's like to just watch that game, like as just fans. Does it sting as a Chief fan? I mean, having gone the last two years, and now you're kind of like, "Well, you know, get some other teams a shot in here in the AFC." Or does it still sting equally, or is it kind of like a double-edged sword type of situation where it's a game you probably should have won, but then obviously the outcome went a little differently? It stings every which way you want to put it. It stings and it's depressing, but you know. It's it is what it is. So we'll 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 get over it. Yeah, that's sports for you. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, you have another project that I heard about that um, I want to let you talk about now. Could you uh, dive into that a little bit for me? So for several years, I've been working on a an internet based show that's called The Blocks. It is like Top Chef meets um, Shark Tank. So we moved twenty different startups from across the country into a mansion in my hometown we put them through a series of pitches and tests and games to test them on their entrepreneurial process and and uh and and ultimately we crowned one winner so it's a 17 episode docuseries that people can binge watch for free on a mobile application called the blocks it airs and is published on thursday the 10th at five or six o'clock at night um and it's like it's one of the it's a very cool thing that's come out of reality tv where I've watched, um, you know, obviously how they produce these shows for decades, and I saw a way to take some of their best practices and fuse it with um, entrepreneurial education, which is what I do in my real job. And so it's almost like, and it's kind of Bill Nye-esque where you're learning while about science while being entertained. Well, we're entertaining you with reality TV-esque nuggets um, to kind of keep you it, it, there. But really, we're we're dishing up a lot of um, like startup advice for people that are watching. So it's it's meant to be like the most entertaining entrepreneurship course ever created, um, with like this mask of this reality TV show on top of it. Wow. So do you feel like maybe your years in reality TV as a cast member helped you to kind of put this thing together? You know, being under the hood a little bit and seeing how you know production goes down and other sets. 
One hundred percent. Yeah, I, I mean, there are so many things that I've learned from being on TV, and then obviously things that I've seen from like other shows that I find inspiring. But I'm like the the real world and the challenge is produced by the Ferrari of of documentary uh, series, right? They invented the literal genre. So to be around them and to have been mentored by those executives and watch those cameramen and watch those audio people and 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 what how do the storyline producers do their job and organize things? I mean, I've had this unfair look under the hood for darn near two decades. And I've always, because I've been obsessed with entrepreneurship my entire life, I've looked at them through a business lens. Like, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? And I've just learned. Um, I didn't mean to. I just did. And then simultaneously, I've been building startup companies for that entire time. So I've had these two different lives that now, and I've kind of kept them se- uh, separate, right? Like Clark Kent and Superman might be the same person, but they're never found in the same place at the same time. Like, you don't want your reality stars to be a successful venture capitalist or it won't make you feel good, right? You want to be on the couch thinking, oh, that guy's an idiot, but he's fun to look at or fun to watch do this stuff. So we don't, I don't really talk about business on the show. And even if I do, they edit it out. And then on the flip side of that, my business partners and my customers and my clients, they don't want their VC, their boss, their manager, their whatever to be a reality star. So I've kept both of these worlds completely separate and they each one of them knows somewhat about it, but they each pretend that they don't exist. And now I'm kind of combining them in a way that uh, I probably should have done a long time ago. So was that your vision this entire time to kind of have your series be reality type of um, genre or? Um, and this is not... Um, this is it's not been my vision the entire time like i've had the idea for about four years and it took two years to execute but um i didn't i didn't see what it's i haven't had this big 12 year 15 year long master plan about all this um it just kind of it just kind of came up relatively recently well, you seem to have been drawing up a lot of ideas recently and kind of reinventing yourself. I know you've got your Patreon and now this. When did you kind of take a niche to um, content creation? Um, I mean, COVID didn't hurt. Um, as in, true. you know, like we, I, I watched more TV during COVID as much as the rest of the world. And, you know, all it, you know, as you know, it's, it takes a bare amount of equipment to kind of get started. And I, as you, I like to talk about the shows that I watch. And so, um, you know, it just, I, I get, I technically had started both of those two things before COVID. It's just, I just, I don't know. It was just easier to really lean into them. Um, but you know, because that's one of the only things that I talk about on Instagram and Twitter, people think people always ask, they're like, Oh yeah. So Patreon sake, your thing. And I'm like, Yes, I do it. I do it well, but I also am like a 70 hour a week venture capitalist. I just don't post about it because I've learned my audience does not care. Um, and so I just don't talk about it. It's kind of like my wife. My wife is like a very, very good recruiter for a large engineering firm. She works 40, 50 hours a week, but she posts about yoga. And anytime we're out and about, people are like, oh, so how's yoga? And I'm like, do you not want to ask her about the thing she's got her master's degree in? How she's changing students' lives and moving people to Kansas City left and right to become engineers? And, they're, and, and they just forget because, you know, we don't post about it. It's like weird. 
I noticed that in society a lot too, especially with social media being so prominent now. If you're not posting about what you do 24-7, people just automatically assume that it just doesn't exist in like your lifetime. And I talk about that a lot with especially like the cast members that came up in like your generation or even, you know, older than that, how social media plays such a big part now with um obviously homecoming and then all stars being things now and how they navigate the social media realm. How has it been like for you with like social media taking like such a, you know, front to um, what's the current climate with like social media and like t- reality TV and stuff like that? Has it been like a double edged sword for you? Or are you glad to have that? Yeah, I in the I think it's a net positive. Um, we get to engage with fans and kind of continue the hype and and all this and be a part of the community that we obviously love to be a part of. 24 7 whenever we want we're like we're the 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 challenge community is in our pocket and we're addicted to pulling it out and engaging with it um but that is also why entrepreneurship is very bad on your mental health is because you never stop thinking about business well with this you're always you're always in the game you're always thinking about next season you're always kind of the politicking doesn't stop just because one season ends and and so there's no way to really turn it off and so um, you are, we're just so, so, we don't get to take as much of a, of a true break. Like in, in before, like if I was to exit, finish rivals one, let's say I then get like actually six months off because there's no Instagram. You're not constantly doing all this stuff with it. You go back to your real life. You go back to your real friends. You somewhat forget about all this stuff. Like, sure, there's things, but right now. Every hour on the hour, you log into Instagram or whatever. You see challenge content everywhere. The algorithm wants to show you challenge stuff. You're always talking about it. You're always seeing it, and there's no break from it. And so that's just the, that's the, the curse of it all. But really, it's a, it's a blessing because it's accelerating you know, our ability to build a stronger community around a game that we all obviously agree is amazing. Yeah, so I have to ask then, since when Real, Real World Austin was first premiering, you had to have been a MySpace guy back when that was the thing, or I we, I wish that I did, but I didn't. I was I skipped it. I I thought it was kind of silly, and that was a mistake on my. Not like it matters in the grand scheme of things, but it was a dumb move to not be into it. Um, but I mean, like I was with Johanna at the time; she had like a hundred thousand MySpace followers or whatever that was, and. Um, but yeah, that's that was the day. Is it, it was MySpace was the thing. Yeah, your season was actually the first season that I watched. And from reading through the grapevines and like old articles and how the season's kind of being perceived, especially with Paramount Plus allowing people to go back and rewatch it. I don't know if you realize this, but in my eyes, and I think a lot of people would agree with me, your season kind of has like a Vegas type of aura to it, to where like they're viewed at like its own different pedestal. You know, like your season was actually huge when it first premiered um, from what I was like reading and such. Did it feel like that when you were coming off the show? Like were the opportunities um, outside of the show like being presented to you guys? Um, Okay, so to back it up a little bit, we I've watched the first two seasons of Homecoming and especially you watch like New York and you're like, wow, they talked about all of these obviously very important deep talks and it's stereotypical what the real world was meant to be and then you also watch vegas and you're like this isn't what the real world was meant to be but it's also really entertaining because they're just having a lot of fun 
when they cast us, there is never in a million years did they think Nehemiah and I were going to be friends. They didn't think that Johanna was going to work well with them. They thought that that Melinda was going to be this bombshell and all this kind of stuff. And then and they thought that Lacey was just going to be this, you know, they didn't call it this back then, but the Karen of the group. And we just clicked right from the beginning. And sure, we had our skirmishes, but we were a family almost immediately. And we just partied and went out all the time and had such a good. And so was it these deep real world conversations? No, but it was watching a bunch of people have a really, really good time that made it kind of Vegas like. And um, and that, you know, I think it translated very well on camera. And then then obviously we had some really unfortunate things that happened to Danny um, where he was the brunt and the victim of kind of two really bad situations that even though they were horrible and literally traumatic for him, you can't take your eyes off of it. And so I think that between watching a bunch of young people have a bunch of like authentic fun and watching these two train wreck situations happen to this poor man, it was uh, captivating television. It felt like that was the cornerstone moment to where the franchise had started turning into like the more party-esque um, type of environment, I guess you could call it. But I guess that was makes sense because it was kind of changing with the times a little bit, you know, during like 2005. It was more realistic to what real life people were doing, you know, whereas maybe the older seasons when they were first premiering, deep conversations and just talking was the norm, you know? Right. So were, were there tons of opportunities um, coming off your show that were presented to you, like outside of, um, you know, MTV? No, um, there was a lot of those bar appearances. I mean, we were, I, I, and not all of us were booked this much, but I mean, Johanna and I were on a six day a week for two or three year stretch. God, that was so unhealthy and so bad for us. And, um, but it, it felt like all the money in the world at that time, just cause I didn't have money before that. So it felt like the right thing to do. And it probably was, but, um, you know, that's, it, it, it depends if you think that that's opportunity, then there was a lot of it, but other than, it's not like we were asked to be in movies or other shows or whatever, because like even, even the genre of reality TV was still relatively immature, at least, um, you know, compared to where it's at today whereas if we were as big right now as we were then we would have been asked to be on other things they'd have all that you there's all these crossover stars one of us would have gone on survivor and another one would have gone on a on a celebrity cooking show and all that kind of stuff and they just didn't have those opportunities like that back when we were doing it so none of that was really offered to us and anyone who tried to do that kind of stuff kind of failed i mean johanna tried to do a bunch of acting things and was just relentlessly kind of the door was closed in her face because they don't the rea the stigma of reality tv kind of um, messes with the you know certain careers almost all of them yeah acting's a big one with like reality tv that crossover is like almost like forbidden yeah well the reality of it is that crossover is very hard no matter i mean i'm a venture capitalist no one ever talks about that but do you want to know how many startups want to have their investor be a reality star do you know how many uh partners and banks want their people to be a reality star do you know the answer is none of them they don't like it they, they can't wrap their head around either a like how how do i get over this really weird thing that's happened in in this guy's life and how do i get over that or or can i 
kind of come to grips with the fact that this man or other people that have been on TV very well might be good enough for the job. But uh, but the stigma of reality TV is kind of hard to wrap your head around. It's easier just to think, oh, reality stars are idiots. It's so hard to tell yourself this guy might be smarter than me, might have got a better education than me, might be more driven than me. It's easier just to kind of make fun of him in my head and put him in that in that bucket. And so even though the the acting and stuff probably gets the worst rap because so many reality stars want to go off and do that next. But no matter what career they do, whether it's bartending, whether it's janitorial services, whether it's working in an office, no matter what it is, their next uh, act is going to be tougher. Right. And you did have that one commercial, though, right, with uh, your cast, I think it was. Um, was it on an MTV network? But you had that one commercial, right? Where I'm doing the push-ups? That one, yeah. <laughs> that was a pre—I mean, that was to promote the real-world launching. So oh, okay. I, I hadn't been on TV. It's not I don't remember now, but I'm sure we weren't paid to do that. And if we were, it was probably 200 bucks. Um, so it's not like that was a commercial. That was like a, um, we each got one of those and everyone. So there was seven that were made and they played them on MTV airing up to the thing. It's just mine is now stuck around in the ether because I'm <laughs> more on everyone's was equally embarrassing. Um, and mine actually, I is I get why on paper it's embarrassing, but if you listen to the lyrics, it's like they've already identified I'm really athletic and all the girls love me, so I'll take it. There you go. That's how I choose <laughs> to look at it that through that lens. If there was one to stick around the ether, I think that's the one that uh, they picked the right one. I agree. So, how do you feel about a potential homecoming, though? Is that something that um you know you be open to or? Um, yes, I don't know why I've been getting that question so much, but, um, we have not, we're not the next homecoming. Um, and if we are, I have not been told and let's put it this way. So it it is, we all, uh, most of us, probably all of us would do it and we want to do it. We've had phone conversations like, Hey, would you do it? Cause we're just kind of curious if we ever did that, get that call. What's the deal? And we would do it and we would be great. But from a scheduling standpoint, incredibly challenging because you look at it and you're like, okay, uh, 14 day shoot, five day quarantine or whatever, roughly. I made up those numbers, but I'm sure that it's about that. Rachel works for like Harvard as like a scientist on the cutting edge of, of fixing the pandemic. Danny is risking his life savings on a daily basis, purchasing and renovating homes in a very big way. Nehemiah is employed by a technology company down there. I can literally see his office from my my house, um, it, which he can get away from. It's flexible, but that's a real-ass job. Johanna has tried to get out of the stigma of reality TV, moved across the pond to kind of do so. Um, Melinda is a mom, has been on All Stars, all this stuff. I'm not saying that these people can't do it, uh, Lacey owns two hair salons. Uh, again, flexible because she's her own boss, but still a lot of responsibilities. I've invested in like a hundred plus in business companies. I'm filming like 15 seasons of this block things over the next year. There's obviously potential challenge stuff that could be on my horizon. When are all seven of us going to be able to take three weeks, the same three weeks at the same exact time and just turn off our lives? possible not saying it's not possible i'm just saying it's very challenging we are far too successful of a season they need to go get some more loser seasons like probably like key west like those guys <laughs> those guys have no lives 
have no careers. They're kind of all like ugly and stupid. <laughs> like they should give it to Key West because they're ready to be on a show like that. Yeah, God forbid they give any of the handsome people a break around here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned a lot of the, you know, companies you were talking about. I have to know, was the Monster Trucks thing, is that was that a legit thing at one point or well, interestingly enough, I have had that truck since I no longer have it, but I, I bought it in high school and then may, upgraded it in high school. So I had mowed lawns and detailed. I've always been an entrepreneur, like always just had that drive and I just socked away money and socked away money. And eventually you're like, okay, I've got a, you know, what feels like a fortune to a, a 16 year old. Um, but looking back, it's not all that much money, nor is a monster truck all that expensive. I mean, it's just a a truck that you raise and put big tires on i live in kansas it's not that weird um and then i kept it and had it all throughout college my dad even drove it for like a year and he was super embarrassed um i did things to make it really loud and that were expensive to make it that loud and he went and spent money to make it quiet because he needed to drive it to work on snow days um but uh but yeah, the rest of that rant was, uh, but so yeah, I'll, I'll, a lot of that stuff came from the fruits of my real job. But the weird one is that the monster truck thing I had since I was, I probably got it when I was 17. That That's probably the one that stuck in most people's minds if I had to say too. And it's so weird because I literally dropped, I have 30 companies and everyone wants to fact check a $15,000 truck. Like what is, <laughs> what is, how dumb are people like? I, I also I said I own part of 30 companies. Why don't you fact check that? And now that is real, right? So I, I invest in companies. That's what happens. It's now at hundreds. So, um, But I bet if I went on TV now and it was like, yeah, I own part of hundreds of businesses that go right over people's heads and they'd be like, yeah, but what about a monster truck? <laughs> Do you ever look back at that moment or just any moment in general where you're like, uh, you're like cringe at like your younger self saying something or you kind of have like a, you know, unapologetic uh, way of going about it? I think that it's a little bit of both. That particular moment uh, is obviously a little cringe just because it's immature, but it's, it's, I don't apologize about it. I mean, the guy needed to be checked. Um, and, and that's, and that's what it was. The guy needed to be checked. I checked him. It was a funny line. It was true. Um, it was memorable. I, but as a mature quote unquote adult, you know, you shouldn't be talking like that. There are other things though, that are way more cringe and that are way more apologetic about. And that's where I, in various ways, I cross lines that didn't have to do with it's one thing to like be a douche and talk about having a monster truck that's douchey that's excusable and it's another thing to yell at your female partner or whatever right so that's the stuff that's far less excusable i'm incredibly like um apologetic of those moves and very proud of myself for how mature i've become um but there's those are two different like categories but the i've got a bmw monster truck apportion part of 30 companies suck my dick <laughs> yes it's a douchey statement but i there ain't nothing to apologize over that i mean if you got it you got to flaunt it sometimes yeah that's what i'm saying so we know what you've done as a businessman obviously was that like kind of when you first initially i guess quote unquote retired right after the duel right was that what you um left for a while to get started on was the business 
I left to go back to, to finish school, to finish college. Okay. So I dropped out of uh, Arizona State to go on the real world. And then I did the two challenges. And then I won the challenge. And as far as the challenge world goes, I had in the, in the span of, let's call it about a year and a half, done everything that you could do on reality TV. I was on the biggest show. I won the the duel, which was the first every man for themselves thing, the largest cash prize ever. I had done... 1200 appearances there was no such thing as a legacy there was no such thing as stats and there was no such do you want to know what there was was a stigma of people don't go back and finish college or they stay in on in reality tv too long or um they don't like build this other life for themselves and i'm really glad that i kind of drew a line and said i need to go back to college and then right after college i started a company and then it was kind of then i looked around before my i reemerged on the ruins i looked around i was like okay all the stuff that i that i left reality tv for to protect my education my career my health those things were all very i i, I owned a company i had graduated from school i had a girlfriend that i was that i that i really liked um everything was kind of like why not go back and uh and that's kind of why i continued to go on it is because now it's just like one of the coolest hobbies in the world like why not as long as i'm healthy i'm happy i've got a great work that 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 and career that fulfills me why not continue to go on right for someone like yourself it's like secondary right like what you have going on outside the show is like your thing and then that comes second did you think that after you initially stepped away from the duel that this snowball effect would ensue to where you would then 10 or so years later have done x amount of shows and then now being somewhat of a spectator role um as like a viewer did you ever expect that no Wow. No, I don't. I mean, I wish I could extrapolate on that more than that, but no, it's a, no one ever looked at it that way. And anyone who did would have been very irresponsible because there was no such thing as that. They didn't pay us basically. They did. They, they, they didn't pay us enough for that to be an option. The prizes weren't enough for that to be an option. There was no only fans and cameo and Patreon and influencer stuff. There was none of that. Like anyone who stuck like bananas got respect for him. But what he did by sticking around that long was pure luck and he had no other options. Like he ended up backing into like in the like looking back in hindsight, sure, it was very smart. Go on every single one. Don't look for another job. Don't build another career. Build up lots of stats in this game that could go away at any point in time. It was the most irresponsible thing that anyone could do, but that's it, it worked out well for him. But what given the data that we had at the time, the smartest order of operations was to go on have some fun and then when you've kind of accomplished what you need to accomplish leave and get back to your real life and uh um you know i think a lot of people did that and what's fun about all stars is you get to watch people that made that very responsible decision now get to kind of in a in a more safe way come back and relive a little bit about what they did in the past Right. And I feel like when you made your returns, because you had obviously a layoff and then when you came back for the ruins and then you had kind of another layoff to where after Rivals 3, you took some seasons off and then you came back for War of the Worlds. I raised I, a bunch of money from a, a, a venture capital firm to expand my business and I had to it, to be a good steward of their money. I didn't I I had to. Um, I couldn't leave. So I had yeah. to I had to move states to go build a third branch in another spot and um 
and it took a while. And then once that became safe and was running itself, then it was ex- more acceptable for me to come back. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah. Um, the eras were kind of like different, I feel like, because you had from the, for what I would consider the duel through probably about Fresh Meat 2 was one separate entity. And then you had kind of like your themes era, which is like Rivals 1 through Rivals 3, to where I felt was like an entirely separate entity, to where by the time that you came back at War of the Worlds 1 to basically now, that's its own different era. How much of the show you feel like is like changed from your personal perspective? Um, I think it's, you know, the culture and the, the, and what we all kind of want out of it and all this kind of stuff is the same. And I think that that's beautiful, but it's kind of like the changing of the seasons. It's like nothing, my city doesn't change. It just looks different when it snows versus when it's hot or whatever. And I think that the same thing is kind of happening here. It's like, it's going from fall to winter to spring to summer and it looks different, but eventually it will be fall again. And they'll just kind of keep going through some stuff. But yeah, it's, it, they are different eras. They are different vibes. Uh, but I, you know, if it didn't change and if it, there wasn't eras, this show would have been off the air a long time ago. It has to, you know, tweak and innovate itself and try new things or we would have it would be stale and people would just be over it. Right. And I see now like people like to compare the flagship um, with all stars. And one thing that I was thinking about recently is that. One thing that people say as far as like the negatives with the flag show is that it's, you know, serious and they like to see people having fun and that's why they like all stars. But then when I was looking at all stars, you have your fun element of the people we know and we watched, but the challenges are relatively the same. Like I'm sure there's obviously a little more of difficulty on the flagship show, but when you think about it, the challenges are very similar on all stars as opposed to the flagship. So for me, it does it does that boil down to just a personality thing as to why maybe all stars is being perceived better than um the flagship show i don't i i I don't know um you know they okay so all stars 2 was very entertaining right Uh, every i have not seen anyone that didn't like it so i'm not saying anything like risque there very very entertaining but i didn't watch it and say man all those people are having a good time they weren't you know, you saw some scenes of like there was supposed to be a party here, but really it was kind of it didn't work. I mean, they're taking this game as seriously as they do on the flagship. It's serious. It's hard. They're there for a long time. It's stressful. You know, they're very, very similar games. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why there's such a big disconnect between how people are perceiving the two shows when they're identical. It's just two different groups. Exactly what you just said is what I was my exact sentiments, because when I was watching, I think two and one were definitely different. I feel like one was a little more story based and two had stories, but it was more competition based. And when I was dissecting season two with the flagship show, I watched them both and they were actually relatively similar, you know, as far as like the structure went. So that's why I was like wondering like where the disconnect was in terms of like the audience's perception of the two. And I, I have think no, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. Like maybe uh, maybe it just comes down to who they'd rather see jump off a semi truck, I guess. Maybe. I, I don't know. I think it also comes down to who they want to root for. Like it's hard to root for people that are like, hey, join my OnlyFans, check out my Fit Teed, get 10% off. I've got 400,000 followers versus 
oh, that that new mother or new father that we haven't seen in a while that's showing up that doesn't care about Instagram. You kind of start to say, I'd rather watch these people be happy and win things versus I could care less whether these other people want to be happy or win things. And that doesn't mean that either one of those humans is better or worse than the next one or deserves money or happiness or success than the next one. It's just, you know, as far as the internet concerned, is concerned, we don't want people that are getting attention and money to have any more success. Like we want to drag them down and then we want to build other people up. And as soon as those people have been built up, we want to drag them down again. Um, you know, it's kind of like people loved Nehemiah on season one and then he starts getting airtime and he starts running seasons and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, now talk shit on him. And the same, <laughs> you could say the same thing about almost every cast member. It's like, you built, like, I remember people were so hyped that Nani was back and cheering on Nani and all this kind of stuff. And now Nani's been on just a couple seasons too many. And now it's like, get rid of Nani. She does nothing. All this kind of stuff. It's like, um, they, we, we want to build up our people so we can dra drag them down. And no one's, it's like society's concerned. They don't want anybody to get too far ahead, which is like really lame because all of us should want the freedom of if we're crushing it to get far ahead. And it's like the internet feels like it's the police of anyone getting too far ahead. I, I couldn't agree more. I noticed that, um, when you came back uh, on War of the Worlds 1, I would say, like, your reception, everybody was, like, stoked, right? And then, I mean, you could speak to it. Did you feel like that was happening with you um, as you continued to do more? I was so – yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, I'm kind of universally loved. So um, so I, I ha I'm a little bit of an anomaly. But, I, I mean, there definitely was an unexpected love of my reemergence that I was not expecting. Because I felt like, especially because I had done three Chance for a Star series. So it wasn't like, I wasn't <laughs> some ghost that had gone away. It was like, I had filmed three full-length shows that was on the same channel with like the same people. So I was shocked that people thought it was some re-emergent. It to me just felt like the next show. But then, yeah, I do, I do distinctly remember the response was probably more positive than I had ever seen before and it was because i took some time off and then it's not that there was negativity or hate after that it was just that because i was now back there was less excitement and so i don't know i i and and one of the producers was like oh man you've you've that's the that's the formula we're gonna start doing that from now on i'm like what are you talking about they're like yeah we're gonna start sitting y'all out to 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 make it so wet when you come back like there's there's a pop and i'm just like okay Sure. That's ex that's exactly um I mean WWE does sort of like the same tactic where they like write certain people off of television and then bring them back like X amount of time later and then all of a sudden they get like a pop and everybody's cheering for them whereas I feel like I mean character development's really big especially on the challenge and reality television to where I don't know if that's necessarily a good strategy but it definitely works in the short term. I don't know if that's necessarily something that's sustainable but yeah, I think it's hard for them to do on purpose because, um, like, it's a huge risk, right? Like, if even if you tell someone to sit out one season, that could mean a year and a half of not being on TV. So, what do you think you're going to do? You're going to go get a job. You're going to get a. You're going to build a family. You're going to go move on with your life, and then it's going to be so much harder to come back. So, it's a risk. I don't think they're out. It's a. It's a huge risk. Um, but yeah, it is a little bit of a short term because then for as many fans as are excited that you're back, there's just as many fans that are confused of who you are. 
Right. And I always ask um, my guests that run Fresh Me Too their thoughts on this because I'm like enamored by this house. It's like my favorite challenge house. I always ask um, those that were on Fresh Me Too what their uh, thoughts on that house were. It was a very special house. There's no doubt about it. So um, Mandy texted me a video uh, like four months after that aired because the Winter Olympics were were there like yeah, right they, right the after. Team lived there. I'm pretty sure. Exactly. Yeah. So they yeah. texted me a video of they were doing interviews in our house and they were and the and the whole city was like they were fixing up roads and making it bigger to prepare for the Winter Olympics and you know it's very. It's a very different house than what we were used to because there was usually pools and beaches and all this kind of stuff. But this was like a cabin mansion um, and debatably the greatest house we've ever been in. Do you feel like they try to stray away from going to cold weather locations? Because, I mean, they had double agents in Total Madness where cold, but I don't know. I felt like... Over this, over the years, um, ever since Fresh Me Too, they kind of stayed away from cold for a while. I don't know. I don't know what the what the rhyme and reason is behind. I I I don't know how much credence. Normally, I would say they do a cold weather one just to kind of change things up occasionally, but it's sporadic. But then you just like you just mentioned, there was two very cold ones in a row. And quite frankly, they don't sh- talk about it, but Croatia was the one after the two cold ones if i'm if i'm saying that in the correct order wasn't exactly all that warm either there's warm moments but there was also incredibly cold moments they were wearing jackets during most of those eliminations and stuff so um you could almost argue it was two three cold seasons in a row two freezing and then a somewhat cold um i like the cold ones better personally but that i'm from the midwest i'm from cold places i want to and i'm a redhead i burn easily do you know how hard it is to not burn your ass off when you're on a set on a beach all day and like like it's it's challenging um and then all the californians they can't even operate when it's cold i love that like like they can barely be outside for 30 seconds without complaining and i'm like oh yeah complain away because you can't just put on some gloves and 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 stop complaining it's amazing yeah i'm with you on that one i always say that if i could make it cold year round i wouldn't everybody looks at me like i have 11 heads so i don't know (laughs) yeah it's 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 i think that the cold is refreshing um but but yeah so talking about two vastly different locations rivals two was like probably one of the more like humid seasons i would say um that you were on and i heard somewhere that you and ct kind of we're coming off a spring break, maybe was it? And then you were um, going straight on to the challenge. So you guys were kind of like not acclimated yet. And then you guys made kind of that background uh, or backyard rather, like your uh, personal gym and you guys were running to prepare for the final. Was that yeah. like a thing? That was like the biggest exercise in, um, you know how like you do your math homework like 30 seconds before it's due and you're copying off your, na- your friends and stuff. That's the challenge version of that. CT, I had spent like a week in Padre. CT was there with with Knight for like six weeks, something ridiculous, like lived there, like moved there, put up a poster on the wall type stuff. Um, and he was so out of shape. I was so out of shape. I, and I wasn't out of shape for my week. I was out of shape because I wasn't lifting or running. I was running my business. And, um, and he was out of shape because he had been drinking for five, six weeks. And so we got there. And when we saw that, that I mean, in that partnership, if I'm the bad partner, then you've got a really good chance of winning. 
And so if I'm the weak link and I'm one of the best of all times, then they're basically giving us this show on a silver platter. So we said we can run for the next 45 days. And we did. And so we just and we and we had nowhere to run. So we ran back and forth on the deck and we came up with like little rhymes to to uh, remember what lap we were on. And we had little inside jokes and to because there's nothing more boring than running circles on a deck. And we just stuck with it. And eventually we we had our hundred lap day and um, it acclimated us to very, very humid, horrible conditions. And then sure as shit, like we we lapped bananas and Frank in the finals. It was like a five lap race and we did all five by the time they were starting their fifth. And um, and I guarantee you, I would not have been able to do that had we not done, you know, the six weeks of of final prep while we were there so would you say maybe like that climate of that final um may have i mean you did war of the worlds one and rivals one which are two of the considered hardest finals to ever take place do you did that like humidity um come close to making that final comparable to the other hard ones you were in that final was excruciating for sure. And it was also the hardest eating one of all of them. So that, that final had arguments why it deserves to be talked about as a very, very challenging one. Um, it's just the, you know, the four winners, we've got Paula, who is in great shape. We've got Emily, who's a monster. We've got CT, who's a monster and me, who's no slouch. So people don't want to give it credit because they're, you know, it's like, because we kind of made it look easy, if we will, but it wasn't easy, but there's no doubt that rivals won and uh, world of the worlds one were harder, but they were, um, as you kind of alluded to, what made uh, the Thailand one was to challenge most challenging was the humidity, whereas like sure, the World of the Worlds one was the biggest um, like distance. It was also the most comfortable temperature. It got freezing at night, but from if you're gonna traverse 50 miles in any temperature, basically where we were at was perfect. It was like just an, it wasn't too hot. Um, it wasn't too it was it was like it was nice it was like the exact type of temperature you wanted to be in yeah x's two and war of the worlds one were the two seasons that i don't know if you'll agree with me or not i feel like two of your arguable best seasons are the ones that you didn't win like i look at those two seasons and you played like arguably the best gameplay that i think you've played in any two seasons and um those are the two seasons to where I feel like if a casual fan were to flip them on and watch like halfway, they'd be like, oh, Wes is going to win this one. And then those were the two that you didn't end up winning, which would you agree with that first before I yeah. up? Yeah, that's uh, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Um, <laughs> which of those two seasons, like if you had to say, did you feel like were the ones that really got away for you if you had to? Uh, over War of the Worlds 1 or Exodus 2? Exodus 2, yeah. Um. I, I, I mean, they, they both, I, I guess I feel more slighted. I, there's nothing, I, I feel more slighted over X's too. Cause that was just a weird rule. I had the game by the balls and then, you know, it, it, it all kind of, it got thrown on its head for something that they had never done before. So how in a million years could you have seen that coming? And even the, even if it did happen, if it wasn't for my blow up with Jordan right before it happened, um, you know, it would have, I don't know that, that one was a, is a tough pill to swallow. A lot of people also point to that moment as well on Exodus two. Um, 
it's kind of like you, like your season that you won but didn't win. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a hill that I always die on was that if you and Teresa had stuck in the game and it just went the same way without you know the reemergence of Bananas and Nani, I think that the hill that I would always die on is that you and Teresa would have won that final. But I mean. Well, here's what people don't ever talk about because the cast members don't either didn't notice or don't want to acknowledge. You want to know what Teresa and I were doing in that backyard is the CT and Wes is CT yeah. and Wes procrastination practice. Her and I were back there running our asses off and there was a mini final that year. Um, we had to run up and down that mountain with and, and have this memory thing and her and I mutilated everybody, including the people who won. Um, and the people who got second. And so, uh, and what, so it was a test of running, hiking, puzzles, memory, smarts, team ship, and, um, we crushed everybody. So, and that was it. So, and Sarah, who won that season was on that mountain throwing up on like lap two. So, um, yes, we would have won that season. There's absolutely no doubt about it. I feel like Teresa's really underrated, too, because she comes from, like, the same, uh, quote-unquote, draft class as Cara Maria and Laurel. Like, the numbers might not, you know, pop out, but she's also someone that's called, like, a lot of, like, bad luck with, um, you know, some outcomes or whatnot. Agreed. Yeah, she's a she's an underrated cast member for sure. So, in your honest opinion, would you say that Arrivals or Exes is something that could reemerge, do you think, with a lot of chatter recently? Because like, I personally feel like it isn't out of the realm of possibility for an All-Stars uh, theme with that. But then with COVID playing a factor and, you know, if someone gets COVID, then their partner has to leave. So there's a lot of moving parts there. But do you feel like it's feasible? I think it's very feasible. I'm not sure why we haven't seen something like that in, in a while. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's very feasible, but I think you hit the nail on the head, even without COVID, that's a lot of moving pieces. Um, and, and yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a lot of moving pieces. I think that they like the modularity of being able to remove a Lego piece and add a Lego piece and it not really have that many effects on the game itself. Um, like war of the world's one. You know, they didn't. We we chose our partners. Like it didn't matter. We were just such Lego pieces that it didn't matter what happened. It's like we could all be interchanged, and I I think that they liked that. Um, but I don't know. I but I I could see them doing it something some sort of a theme again. I didn't know that. The, I I haven't heard that much chatter about people thinking that it's going to be a theme. It was like a few months ago. I think X's was like the one that really. Uh... So, yeah, that was weird. So the the fans, you could tell they're really just desperate for challenge content. Because yeah, the all the challenge did was like, it, I'm sure it's some social media intern that did a throwback to an exes thing. It was like, who would you guys like to see this again? And they don't mean it to as anything. And then the next <laughs> thing, you're right. I do remember that. There's 36 hours of. I I even got a call from one of my exes like, oh, like if they call, like, were you gonna say yes? And it's like, girl, they're not doing that. And if they did. I would tell them to call one of my other exes. Um, so this is like, uh, uh, I, I think that everyone kind of reads into some of those things a little too much. Are you willing to let on which ex uh, sent you the fateful call? or? Um, the, it, <laughs> I mean, all of them find ways of trying to keep in touch. I mean, I'm for them, I'm the one that got away. All of them. Any girl that doesn't nail you down for the rest of your life is going to feel the same way. It's a curse, my friend. <laughs>
Well, I appreciate you taking the time out today. And, um, you know, I hope that uh, your project that comes out this Thursday uh, goes well. Would you like to plug that as or anything else? That's pretty much the main thing there is, uh, you know, it's a it's a really, really good positive thing that's come from like reality TV, where I'm basically taking the this uh, genre that we all obviously agree we very much so like and then merging it with educational content so that way um, we can all learn and um, if it works there's ways to hide all sorts of educational things underneath a reality tv um, umbrella which would be a really positive spin on taking the genre in the future and i hope that it i hope it works i can't tell i've seen the thing so many times now i can't tell if it's horrible or if it's amazing and gonna change the world and i wouldn't be surprised if it's either of the two Let's hope it changes the world, you know. Let's, let's hope it does. We'll start with, I just want people to watch it. And and I didn't mean it to be this way because we're literally several months behind. Um, but there's no challenge on right now. So there's no there's no all-stars. There's no challenge, which, by the way, uh, I think I can speak for everyone. Why didn't they stagger those starts? Like, just start all-stars when flagship ends and start flagship when all-stars ends. Like, duh. But I am now, The Blocks is going to be the only show that Challenge fans have to watch. And I think that they should watch it. And, um, and you know, for all the right reasons, you want to support a, a, a cast member and all this kind of stuff. But also, like, we are, we're helping people start companies. And it will be, it, no matter what your job is, if you're better at entrepreneurial things, you're going to be better at your job. And so it, be entertained by us while also learning some things. Listen, Wes, I'm no betting man, but if I was, I'm putting my chips where Wes getting this thing to uh, get out and rolling. Uh, I'm putting my money on that. So um, I hope it goes well for you. And um, thank you again for your uh, time. Cool. Thank you very much. I hope to do this again sometime. You are one of the best up and coming shows. I appreciate what you're doing. And it's so important that we've got winners such as yourselves that is like like empowering our community. And we see you. And thank you. And so and for anyone that watches your show, thank you. You are um, you know, it's people like you that make it possible for all of us to have the community that we have. So keep up the good work. I appreciate that. Have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye.